You are listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast, featuring conversations with experts on talent topics that help organizations win in today's dynamic business environment. Welcome to the SHL Talent Talks. I'm Terry Ellison, CHRO at, C- at SHL. And I'm going to be starting to do a few podcasts around thinking about a CHRO's challenges, business issues, things we're facing in the world today um, and in the future. And I'd like to start off today by introducing somebody who I've worked with over the last couple of years, um, who has an organisation who thinks very much around how do you engage a psychological contract um, with an organisation like myself or with a CHRO like myself. And so I'd like to introduce Luke Fisher, who is the CEO of Mo. Luke, would you like to talk a little bit about Mo? Hey, um, hey Terry, hi everyone. Um, yeah, so uh, Mo works with uh, organisations like SHL to help them improve um, the areas like employee, employee engagement, employee experience, um, and ultimately team performance. Uh, we've been working with Terry for a little while now, and um, yeah, hopefully we've got some interesting stuff to talk to you about. Thanks, Luke. So me and you have often had conversations um, over the couple of years around the emotional, I guess, engagement of an employee and how difficult it sometimes is to know how to connect that that person, that individual into an organisation. So thinking about the psychological contract, and we know that psychological contracts uh, are very much around the, I can say, the informal arrangements, the mutual beliefs that somebody has between them and the organisation that they work with. And I'm interested to just know what took you, Luke, I guess, into this world of thinking about your organisation and setting it up and why does it feel like an important part of what you do? Yeah, okay. Um, that's a big one. So um, <laughs> psychological contract for me, at the heart of it is about value exchanges. So um, people used to think about work historically, about an exchange of effectively time for task um, in exchange for money. And I think what we've seen as you know, at a macro trend level, the availability of travel, the basis of competition for talent has evolved. The value that an employee is seeking from work has changed fairly drastically. So when the basis of competition for a job was based upon location and probably somewhat related to salary, that's what drove where you decided to work. Where can I get paid the most amount of money? What's most convenient for me? And it's not too dissimilar to how we used to think about purchasing things from you know, our favorite stores on the high street. But what's happened is uh, you can now work quite literally and COVID has proven anywhere in the world um, and still maintain the same levels of productivity. Um, there's also lots of skills demand for um, you know, knowledge-based workers or um, highly educated and um, highly skilled workers, and that's leading to increased demand. And with that, provides the opportunity for people to dictate more of what they want. And I think people have made the choice to, I I guess, push for meaning over money in many cases. So um, it's no longer come just about the salary, and it's become about all of the other opportunities that you get that are linked to people's uh, motivational drivers um, to get out of the experience that we have at work. So some might join an organisation to learn, 
others might join uh, an organization for friends, some might join an organization for experience or just for money. And I think the way in which we think about what drives people, what their expectations of their career experience is with your organization goes so far beyond just the employment contract that somebody signs as they hand you your passport that we often don't think about it enough in the way in which we go about our engagement strategies. Yeah, um, I t- totally agree with you. I think I think the interesting thing for me is, is um, leading a HR function, but also as a CHRO, I, I really struggle with us thinking that everything is around money and benefits. And that's sort of inherently what a lot of um, organisations still believe. I think the millennial um, research we had for years and years and years, they talked to us about the fact millennials will choose an organisation around their employer, the type of CSR work that employer does, the emotional connection they have with that employer, um, and also the flexibility because they want to make sure they have work-life balance. And I think things like our pandemic we've just been through has almost given everybody else permission to ask for the same. So now as a, as a function and as an organisation, it's quite difficult to know how do, you, how do you understand how to press the buttons of each employee to ensure they are really motivated about being in the organisation. And I know that we've used Mo, we use Mo as, um, in SHL, um, and we had a significant increase on our platform, for example, when we went into a lockdown and pandemic. What are your thoughts around how Mo can help um, that emotional connection. So um, we, yeah, you guys saw like a 500% increase, right, on the transition month to um, of usage in the transition month to lockdown, which was crazy. Um, the for me, so um, how do I think that we help? So we talk a lot about moments, and we talk a lot about relationships. Um, so moments for me are kind of like peak events in your experience, or really high quality interactions that you might have had with somebody that you 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 remember so the way that our brain processes and we think about the past is often in points of significance and everything just blurs into the distance and the moments that really matter to people um, are the things that we seek to create and capture on the platform and that really aids this sense of story that you have in your experience within within an organization um, so that's one side, like it becomes a, a nice emotional hook to look back. Like if you go into your performance review, often we forget all of the great things that we've been a part of, but if they're captured and stored somebody somewhere, um, you all of a sudden have this really empowering sense of value to talk about in your interactions as part of your performance appraisal, that you've been involved in all of these wonderful things and um, you, can, you can showcase that. Equally, just people taking the time to um, share their experiences in, in a public way that can be reinforced and uh, endorsed by your colleagues that you spend most of your time with. Um, there's something really powerful about the sense of connection that you get from that. That's one side. The other side is that we, we talk a lot about relationships. And I think um, for me, a lot of the way that I think about, I guess, work, change management, engagement is, is that initiatives are really hard at a large scale level and um, they often become diluted as a consequence of scale so in an organization as big as yours at 1500 people or you know some of the organizations that we work with that are larger anything that's trying to target that many people um, has probably lacked a level of individuality 
um, or uniqueness for the individual and therefore has to kind of tread this thin line of generic enough but meaningful enough um, whereas for me the the real opportunity to get the message out there and to get emotional buy-in uh, to anything that you're doing a change in behavior of any description to you know improve the outcome that you're seeking to achieve um, is best done through that sense of human connection um, and that's why we think a lot about relationships so we're trying to balance these the leveraging of moments to strengthen relationships um, to try and bring people closer together we believe that that leads to a greater level of team effectiveness so that that's how we tend to work with companies yeah because that, that that connection is almost crucial and when i think about it as um you know in my role and even as a hr function when i talk to other managers and leaders the the unwritten dilemma that we always face is how do we how do we press to understand or seek to understand the unwritten expectations of all our employees and you can't you're absolutely you're absolutely right you cannot do that in a single program that runs across 1500 people because everybody's an individual and everybody has a different want or need around that contract that they have with the organization and we have gone into old-fashioned modes I think even over the last few years of saying well it has to always be done through a manager it has to be always driven through an individual manager because they have the first layer of contact with that individual and I'd say that there are some HR functions that are being quite unique in the way they're thinking about the journey of an employee and thinking about how they really tag into that unwritten expectation if you've got any customers that you would look at and say they are really being quite innovative in a, what they're thinking around getting to understand that unwritten expectation. Yeah, we, I've got probably two wonderful examples that spring to mind. Um, one of them is a relatively small business, about 250 people, um, that had a challenge around their performance management being tied to reward. So like a performance related pay system, basically, you get a stack ranked within a one to five and that determines your pay rise and your bonus. Um, the they wanted to disentangle themselves from that process which means they need to look at performance how do you improve there means they need to look at reward how do you improve there um, and then they need a way to assess contribution um, which is the bit in the middle of um, how do you think about contribution is it just about the what or is it as important to be about the how which again is relational because that's how people interact with each other and collaborate the what in terms of how do we measure and understand um, task completion or goal attainment um, and then how do we reward people like what's the incentive mechanism and the threads that are interesting that are uh, that are impacting all of those things from contribution to performance management to uh, reward and incentives is um, in my mind the desire to increase the cadence so we've seen this huge push towards uh, increasing the operational cadence of most organizations so what used to be like five-year strategic plans now are like the world is moving so fast that really if you're pushing three years you, you've got to have some form of crystal ball to understand what's going to happen there so we need to increase the cadence we need to increase the pace that we learn we need to get richer insights faster so across the, those three areas they wanted to increase the cadence they also wanted to make smaller uh, more meaningful impact um, and more regularly in line with the cadence changes. So they actually took their performance bonus 
they decided to empower all employees within uh, a, a small number of groups to use the value of that performance related bonus to uh, distribute between each other based upon uh, both the outcomes that people were achieving and the, the ways in which they were behaving to achieve those outcomes. So in essence, creating what I think about as like a cultural currency in the way in which people are actively uh, rewarding the things on a micro scale, the things that matter most to them. But what that does is create a higher frequency of understanding of what I value in you and what you value in me and how those interactions lead to a, a greater sense of value created from the group. So that was really quite interesting, I found. That's quite a radical, that's quite a radical thought process, isn't it? Because what you're actually doing is you're taking away the empowerment from the hierarchical process that we have today, which gives us comfort and it gives a lot of organisations comfort that yeah. they are therefore doing the right thing and rewarding the right thing by putting in structural processes that almost reinforce we feel we're okay because we're rewarding to actually self-empowerment and, and the number of HR people I speak to around I'd love my employees to be self-empowered self-driven really wanting to engage so it yeah. sounds like they've made that made that reach quite quite significantly do you know yeah. how it's gone it's, it's going well and, and the reason that it's going well and we see this all of the time so we often what would be grouped within the moments that we would help organizations with is recognition and recognition in you know every point of the employee experience and celebrating the key moments that matter along the way and how we see it in the design of reward and recognition schemes is often there's this desire for control because as soon as reward comes into play there's money as soon as there's money there wants to be this like belt and braces approach to um, uh, control of, of, mm. of making sure that we've done the right thing and the fascinating thing is that most of those processes as a consequence lack context and yeah. how meaningful the, the, the relevant individual's contribution was in that particular setting and like the, one of the smallest examples that we hear on the reward and recognition side all of the time is oh well we don't want people giving out rewards for cups of tea you know for someone bringing me a cup of tea mm. in the morning and I always take them back to, well, context is king here, right? Because if you're in a position where you've been working on a presentation or in a crisis situation till four in the morning and someone brings you a cup of tea because you haven't eaten or drunk anything, probably one of the most meaningful things that somebody could do for you in that situation. Absolutely. So how, how can you say you can't do that? And how can you judge the value created from that relevant situation? So the empowering is actually bridging a big context gap which means that you can start to then learn well what are people valuing as they go about rewarding people and how interestingly do you think about reward then as a um, as an input that drives performance as an output rather than the other way around so most traditional reward systems are focused on performance as the input and reward as the output for the employee um, and this flips it on its head which is really quite interesting um, there's lots of education that needs to come with it, and it is quite a radical move. Um, but they are a progressive organisation that is, you know, a, a, a super uh, well-engaged organisation that has a really nice and positive culture. Um, but there's lots of education that needs to come because all of a sudden managers have got this level of empowerment. And whilst we think, you know, often that the interesting dilemma I forever see is as soon as anything is cultural engagement in the boardroom, you see a finger pointed to the HR person. As soon as you have a meaningful uh, yeah. conversation with the HR person about how do you drive change in culture or engagement, they point right the way back to the manager. Um, 
that yeah. says it's it's your it should be your obligation and your um uh thing to drive the the interesting thing is that the gap that emerges is what does what does the manager feels this great sense of obligation and so too does the employee to reward fairly and for the right things so there's a whole lot of education that suddenly brings your values to the f- to the forefront your behaviors to the forefront what kind of outcomes really matter in the organization all of these things it's surprising how much at the top you think these are all all are given but when you get right down to the kind of the cold face of it all all of that stuff people need that context in order to reward the right types of behaviors to drive the right kind of outcomes that often we can feel when we're in our kind of isolated world at the top that those things are all a given and we talk those and they're the, the kind of thread running through every communication and interaction that we have with people but the reality is as soon as you give people this level of empowerment empowerment brings accountability and then they feel this real kind of inner level of desire to do the right thing um, so it, it carries a lot of education requirement but it's a fascinating experiment um, it is and um, I think the trust is worth that responsibility isn't it because it's actually saying you know if you're hiring the right people with the right culture and everything in mindset for what you're trying to do in the organization trust them because they're going to feel responsible for what they have and what they own and take all take all faith in that and trust that they will absolutely follow through in what they're being asked to do as a manager in just a slightly different way yeah completely completely yeah um, I've um got so another... who's your second customer oh yeah i was going to go on to that one now so the the, <laughs> the second customer is interesting for me because um their thinking ties quite closely to the the, the some of the inspiration for me to start the company um which is around um a marketing mindset and a, and a design thinking approach to how do you create this sense of emotional connection um, so they have done a end-to-end employee lifecycle map. Uh, they have taken and broken that down into kind of um, micro experiences through the from uh, onboarding and new starter through to life in the organisation to leaving, and they have mapped the experience at a functional and emotional level. So how do they? Um, you know, what functionally do you need to do when you start a new organisation? You got an absolute ton of tools to sign up to you need to have a laptop probably delivered to your home address because we're all still working from home etc etc um, but then emotionally how do you want people to feel and um, and this is where we're looking to help them with creating meaningful moments for people throughout that experience and building in a level of automation to that such that um, it maintains that highly personal feel but it creates a consistent employee experience so an example might be you could use a trigger as a promotion. A promotion is probably one of the most important events for an employee that they would experience. It's them being valued for all of the great things in which they've done. So how do you use that as a point in which you want that to be a wonderful experience, like a really magic moment for somebody in their, uh, their time at SHL, for example? And how can systems like ours help provide you with that level of personalization and uh, the prompts and the interactions and the wonderful experience that can enrich in, um, that. Um, so yeah, that, that whole kind of think about the experience, think about the functional, think about the emotional, think about the individual actually at the end of it, what are their needs and it's amazing how you map the kind of emotional feeling side um, to some of the drivers that you might see in your employee engagement 
uh, survey and how they might be heightened drivers as you go through various stages of that experience. Um, so, so interesting, taking sort of market concepts, almost like persona building and, and customer journeys, but put, put, putting that whole premise onto a HR function, which is actually now you're using those external ways of thinking, but thinking about it more like an internal. Um, yeah. Because marketing companies for years have gone, okay, how do I think about that customer journey and what are the interactions externally? But I think we rarely do that as a HR function internally. No, I, I, w- I would agree. I would agree. And it's, it's fascinating for me how much HR is following like marketing's path, like engagement surveys and the frequency in which engagement surveys are asked now is pretty much what marketing was doing 10 years ago. Um, yeah. So it's, and, and it's one of the conversations me and you've talked about. I, I'd, I'd love to be in a place where, you know, marketing 10 years ago when um, you think the retail took um, the initiative to take uh, uh, reward cards and then and, and understand their their customers and really understand what they were buying, what they were purchasing, and then be able to, you know, push to them the things that therefore they appreciated more, whether it's discounts or vouchers and those sorts of things. And I know we've had a conversation like, how how does HR get to a place where, you know, you know the employees so much that actually that reward piece becomes such a natural thing that actually you give back to that employee the thing they need at the time and they need it in the way yeah. they would like to receive it. And all of that is so variable with so many different in- individuals wanting very different things. And I think we're on that journey as a HR function to start going there, but I think we're on the very early steps of it. So I know that, for instance, we're talking about combining the engagement scores that we do um, at the moment quarterly and thinking about how do we connect the engagement scores through to some of the interactions that are happening on Mo. Talk yeah. me through a little bit around where you are around maybe changing some insights and ways of thinking of insights. Yeah, so there's a couple of things on insights for me. Um, One is um, engagement surveys are largely like a perceptive insight. So they're a point in time indicator to how someone was feeling in the way in which they expressed how they were feeling. Um, The difference to some of the loyalty type applications that you talked to that marketing used were that they are much more behavioural. So someone has actually acted in that way rather than said that they feel that way. Um, And that was the kind of key breakthrough. And and also the reason that you saw most of the uh, customer satisfaction type surveys disappear. Um, As you saw consumers migrate to e-commerce, you no longer needed to because you can pretty much tag every interaction on a website and understand therefore how people are behaving. The more digital that the environment becomes, in the workplace you'll probably see and microsoft has started sharing some of the stuff around that they're doing on this already around um how do you understand how productive people are how likely people are to burn out how do you link the actions that people are taking in these tools to provide insights that then in turn you can trigger actions off the back of um so i think there's a lot smarter stuff that we can do the more that we become digital based upon people's behaviours. That means we don't have to survey them more frequently and ask them stuff all of the time that distracts them from doing their productive work that they enjoy. Um, so the behavioural bit is quite an interesting one for me to see how that, that that kind of trend emerges over the next few years or so. For me, I think the worry is that what we're, what we're not doing as a function is realising that those trends are there and driving towards them. So when I talk to a lot of um, HR people, they're still thinking about data insights as being content that comes from a HRIS system that just talks about 
you know, tenure or age or ethnicity, and they're not taking the true insights. And I think the exciting thing about some of the conversations we've talked about, even off the back of Mo, is being able to connect some of those things and start on that journey. So if you're not a large organisation that can't do that customer journey or think about it in that way, you can take some baby steps to start to pull those things together quite easily. Yeah, there's there's some really, really like simple... Um, use cases for data that I'm forever amazed that they just don't they don't happen like um, we're exploring stuff at the minute where we could map the end-to-end employee experience use most of the data that already exists in the HRIS system and effectively create a step change in experience that people would have end-to-end so how do we use you know static data points around time within the HRIS to um, help you understand who's joining a team, whose birthday it is, like who's been at the organisation for a year, who's leaving, who's um, just been promoted. Like all of those things are really key, very simple data points that can lead to simple workflows um, that help to transform the way that the organisation operates. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. The the other side of it for me is around how do we, what what is going to become the the, the the input mechanism to start understanding some of the things that allow for personalization. So the, the challenge with the HRIS data is it's great if HR's primary task was like human resource allocation, bucketing people and aligning them to budget, uh, which is quite yeah. the aged approach to understanding, you know, people equals cost equals operational efficiency like there's a time and a place for that and it's immensely valuable but the HR the real strategic driver for HR now is how do you enable effective collaboration and high levels of engagement such that the way in which people operate together becomes really effective and really meaningful I think the only way that you can get to that is personalization and people should have a look at how marketing uses things like psychographic data to understand the individual better so that as an organization you can cater to the individual better from the way you pay them to the way that they get benefits the way that you ask them to work to all of those things um the more that you can meet individual preference but meet organizational outcome like that's that's the heart of this psychological contract you give i get i give you get like that's yeah it can be simple that's as simple as it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically um so I'm conscious I've taken a lot of your time. So I'd love to, love to just, I guess, ask you one more question to um, lead with. Um, and I do appreciate the, the conversation. So thank you for your time. What would you like, I guess, people to take away from this, um, from just our, our little chat over the last 30 minutes? Uh, I think one, one of the things that I think is so simple to do, but so rarely done, um, it's easy, especially when we've just been through a bit of a crisis, or quite a lot of a crisis, obviously, over the last 12 yeah. to 18 months, um, is, is is look at the world through your eyes. Um, I think one of the easiest things that you can do is, as a CHRO, go and talk to an employee and just get a sense of their experience and look at the world through a new lens. I think far too often... Um, initiatives of all forms relating to engagement are designed without active involvement from employees 
or a representative enough base of employees that will tell you what is going to be meaningful. So I would say try and establish the perspective and therefore the context um, before you launch your next thing. Great, thank you very much. And I guess if there was one thing that I would um, love the, I guess, HR world to think about is that I think your statement of meaning over money is um, absolutely crucial to this world and where we're going to in the future we're going to and that you don't have to I guess think that it's a really big large ask that that you can take baby steps into trying to do things in a just a slightly different way and a lot of that's through your insights so by just connecting your systems and connecting those processes um, and if you don't have a product like Mo you know absolutely go get that product because it gives you such a very different different insight into how you can pull through the meaning of some of the interactions that are happening. So Luke, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, and uh, look forward to maybe doing another session with you on a different podcast. Perfect. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the SHL Talent Talks podcast. To learn more about our work, helping organizations attract and select candidates and identify and grow leaders, please visit shl.com.